Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Welcome in everyone to the Gramlich and McLean podcast, episode 122. We have a lot to break down here in ACC football. I am so sorry. Guys, if I am quiet, oh man, I am in the Syracuse airport. This is the quietest airport in the history of the world, Mac. I feel like I'm just <laughs> disrupting everything and everyone's looking at me, but uh, just finished calling a women's game. It was a lot of fun. And Mac, I know you had a crazy weekend. That, the atmosphere in Winston and just the vibe and the game between NC State and Wake was off the charts. It was a ton of fun. Listen, the the travels of... Mac and Kelly, who knows where we're going to be any given podcast episode, guys. We're, we're trying to do our best. Uh, we're never in the same spot. And listen, KG, is uh, she's doing a big time from the the massive international Syracuse airport <laughs> exactly. up in New York. Um, but yeah, the, the game was unbelievable. I mean, any time that you know, we travel to a game, it, it's just it's so exciting to be there, to be in person, to see the environment. And really, we, we've had a really good games. I mean, outside of the the first one where NC State just absolutely beats down, uh, you know, a G5 team. All these other have been really competitive, and they've been really fun. And uh, this one was was uh, nothing short of that. Wake Forest, amazing hosts. Uh, Coach Clawson was so much fun to talk to, very gracious with his time. And, you know, actually came and spoke to us pregame. And then, of course, in a victory uh, lap and, and came up and hung out with the huddle. And then Sam Hartman, as you all know from listening to our podcast and the episode with Sam, He's just, he's fantastic. He's one of the best um, and, and was a really, really fun weekend uh, in Winston-Salem, KG. We will break down that game fully in our Big Three breakdown. I loved Hartman's interview on the set with you guys. And when he said it's an honor to be the face of the program, when he said, I'm not, a, I'm not really the face, I'm just a puzzle piece. I, to me, it was just a consummate student athlete. He's so grateful and he loves being there, but he's also a star. And I just thought it was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And embracing that role, understanding that role, but, you know, still not, you know, wanting it, wanting to be in the shadows, but understanding what QB1, uh, you've got to be that and you've got to be the superstar and time and time again. And I thought what else was really interesting, KG, if you guys remember in that episode that we talked to Sam, he opened up big time to us about mental health and about, you know, when bad plays would happen, it would almost ruin his performance, ruin his game. And I think this game in particular was a huge example of how last year's Sam would have lost this game. This year's Sam took bad things that happened and just moved on, just went on to the next play. And that's such an important attribute for for a you know college quarterback, for an NFL quarterback. And man, did he deliver and, and just kept going, got his team in the right place to win and ultimately got it done. Even week to week, you know, he made some mistakes last week against UNC and I thought he handled the mistakes better in this game against NC State. So we'll get to that in our big three breakdown. Mac, let's start with recapping the Thursday night game that was absolutely wild. This was a classic coastal clash. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. <laughs> this league is so entertaining. And Pittsburgh finds a way to beat North Carolina in overtime. Pittsburgh looked great in the first half, terrible in the second. UNC terrible in the first, great in the second. And the torrential downpour in overtime that really hurt North Carolina. What were your thoughts on that game, Matt? 
Yeah, it was it was nuts. I mean, to see Pittsburgh come out swinging, seventeen first quarter quarter points. It's seventeen to zero. You're like, man, okay, well, Pitt's gonna really make a statement tonight on national TV and and really you know have this big time amazing game and uh you know what was able to go into halftime. I think it was like twenty three to to seven maybe. Uh, so you're feeling really good, and then just forgot how to play football. And I've got to give a ton of credit to North Carolina. Uh, had a great game plan coming out of halftime defensively offensively uh really just turned things around Sam Howell I mean when, when he's down 18 or more he's like all right yep boys we got him right where we want him here we go time to start playing football and it was uh you know it's just always impressive to see him play and I thought North Carolina really put an emphasis on on running the football and running Sam specifically in the second half and um it worked it, it got him right back in it got him to overtime and, and in a position you know, to win the football game. And Mac Brown said, you know, I should have went for it on fourth down. We shouldn't have kicked the field goal. I disagree. I think that he made the correct call. I think he put his team in a in an opportunity, in a chance to, to win it. And uh, if you miss that kick, everyone's calling you an idiot and saying, you know, what a terrible job. Or if you go for it and don't get it, the exact same thing. So I, I think that that was the right decision. But at the end of the day, Kenny Pickett is who he is and another tr- tremendous performance against the heels for a big dub here's the thing with that decision and we saw it last night with texas kansas when you're the underdog when no one expects you to win anyway and you're on the road sometimes it it helps to just do it because you feel like you're not going to stop the other team enough you're on the road already you're already playing out over your skis so it worked well for kansas The, the main thing with unc i get your point mac you play for overtime because you've been playing really well in the second half I'm assuming that they had someone in the booth, maybe looking at the weather radar. I know this sounds crazy, but you probably need to take a look at that and see if it's going to start raining more because it felt like, I mean, it was voodoo. And right after Pittsburgh, it went from pouring to a torrential downpour. (laughs) And that really hurt them. Listen, don't say that, KG, because there was a Pitt fan on Twitter that came after me and said, don't make that excuse for, for UNC. It was raining when Pitt had the ball too. Guys, uh, what KG just said, it was like God yeah. took a pot of water yes. and dumped it on the stadium <laughs> when UNC got the football in the overtime. It, it was crazy. It was raining so hard, and it, it just makes you think, man, if, if UNC would have taken the ball first, would Pitt have been in that situation? What would they have been able to do? It? But you know, both teams clearly played in the rain. At the end of the day, when you have wide receivers, tight ends, and, and skill players not wearing gloves because it's raining so hard, you know it's a big deal, and and Kenny standing right in that pocket, delivering a strike to his guy Lucas Kroll, who you know actually had an up and down game. Who's still right? Freaking right. Out. Who he's still like, celebrating, still yelling right yelling now at the wall. in his dorm room by himself. Um, but it, it was a great game, a fantastic finish, and you know it probably would have been more a little bit of coastal chaos if Carolina would have won. But Pitt feeling really good going right. into this week for a chance to clinch playing Virginia uh, in, in a big time matchup. So. The, the Panthers are very excited of where they are this year right now. They are feeling good. My other overtime take before we get on to Miami, Florida State, always take the ball first. That's my I take. Agree. I think momentum I and scoring first and putting the pressure if you can score a touchdown first is huge. We saw that. And in Texas, Kansas, it didn't work as well, but I think you got to take the ball first. <laughs> okay. Our next game in our big three, Mac, the rivalry between FSU and Miami. This game was so silly. I mean, talk about a tale of halves. Miami, I believe it was seven penalties and three turnovers in the first quarter. 
and then they were much better in the second half. But Florida State, they made plays at the end. Florida State wins 31-28. This feels like coastal chaos, even though FSU's in the Atlantic. It's just whoever you think's going to win in some of these games, right. just pick the other team. I mean, that's that's starting to be my strategy. It, it was it was nuts. And, and the fact that everyone on the huddle, we all picked Miami. We're like, yeah, there's no question. These guys are playing so well. They're playing at such a high level. Tyler Van Dyke's going to go nuts. And uh, he found out what uh, what this rivalry means, what this big boy football is, and really struggled to, to start the game. Now, he did recover very nicely, threw for over 300 yards still, four touchdowns. Just really impressive what we've seen from that young man. Had a big run that you know, really helped them stay in, in kind of contention here and you know got them in, in a great position to win the football game. But, man, FSU, the grit, the determination, the run game was back. You know, 160 rushing yards there still – Whatever reason, KG, Florida State cannot give Ja'Shawn Corbin the ball more than 15 times. There's been like four games where that's what he gets, and I'm just like, do it more. Give it to him more. Jordan Travis had 22 rushes. You can give Corbin one more. But it was a great job, a great effort. They got back to their roots, who they are, what they want to do, running the football, and then Jordan threw it as well as I've ever seen him throw the football. I mean, some absolute strikes, some dimes when they needed it most especially that game-winning drive, uh, it, it's it's fourth and 16, and he just drops right back and delivers a post shot that honestly almost scored You know the game-winning touchdown. That would have been an unbelievable sight to see. But you know, just his composure, his leadership, he never, you know, never w- was too big for the moment. The moment was never too big for him, and, and he was ready to go. And you know, really since Florida State made that decision that he's our guy, he's our quarterback, They've been a completely different football team. This game was, it was nuts. And we both picked Miami. They got off to a terrible start, as we've said. I am not trying to be an FSU hater at all, Matt. Jordan Travis. It just comes natural. We we don't try. It just happens. I know. We got to get better at that. We're being honest. (laughs) I want to see FSU make a bowl. I think the better FSU is, the better for the league. And they've got a chance now, considering Florida is a dumpster fire. But Jordan Travis passing the ball. Is he getting better? Or is Miami's defense that porous? I think he's getting better. Yeah, no, I think he's getting better. I think that we've seen him this year in particular, um, you know, make strides and be able to take shots and and do things that we hadn't seen him do in years previous. Now, it's not consistent. It's not happening like, you know, we, we've seen some from some quarterbacks like DJU. I think everyone can sit here and say that, you know, from week to week that, that, that we're seeing progress, that we're seeing him getting better at something with Jordan, it's a little bit more sporadic, but overall, I think it's trending upward. Like if you look at the stock market right now, KG, it's a lot of up and down, but it's kind of generally going up. That's kind of where Jordan Travis is right now in, in his passing ability, and quite frankly, the, this Florida State team. So a great battle, another awesome chapter in this storied rivalry that you know, really was just a fantastic finish. And I know you know fans of this game, fans of you know both of these teams in the state of Florida football. Uh, we're, we're happy that it got back to being this competitive rivalry. That last drive was ridiculous. Just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous that they put that together. All right, Mac, I'm going to put you on the spot. FSU has Boston College and Florida left, both on the road. Do they make a ball? They got to win both. No. Actually, you know what? In today's world, you can make a bowl game with five wins. Okay, do they and win six is the they question. Might. I don't think they win six. I think is, do you my think boy BC? Phil Jacovic goes no, nuts. They, we'll talk yeah. about them, but do you think BC maybe <laughs> is thinking, all right, we're already bowl eligible. Maybe they won't get up for it. Just kidding. It's Florida State. They'll get up for it. <laughs> Listen, when you maybe have Phil Jacovic out there, 
Right, right. Then I would say there was a chance. And one more thing, actually, I need to mention about Tallahassee. Jermaine Johnson is a freaking animal. And I know y'all know this. I know we've talked about it. He was, you know, my defensive player of the year at, at the midseason point. That guy had seven tackles, three sacks, five tackles for law. I mean, he's he's a monster. He's unblockable at times when he wants to be. And uh, it's been really cool to see his rise. KG, I would not be shocked at all if this guy goes to the combine because I know he's going to get invited, maybe the senior bowl as well. Um, if, if he runs a sub 4-8, 4-7, that dude's probably going to be a first-round draft pick, which is crazy to think that he couldn't even get on the field consistently at UGA, had to transfer, and really has just dominated this year. It's, it's great to see that. And that's the positive side of the portal, right? There are some positive Absolutely. stories. Last week for you. Absolutely. And, and I think that th- this is the situation. I know how you feel about it, and I'm kind of similar. But, you know, the fact that you did your time, you tried your hardest, you just couldn't get on the field. There's there's certain times oh, where yeah. grass is greener. There's certain times where, sure. you know, opportunity other places makes sense. And that's exactly what, you know, Jermaine did. That I think our biggest problem with it, especially, you know, you know mine, is when, you know, a guy's there for two months and doesn't right, get playing right. time. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm going somewhere else. It's just like, what are you doing? Give yourself a chance to, you know, learn and develop and get better and all that. But man, what a f- cool story to follow uh, Jermaine Johnson this year. Well, I'm, I'm going to transition here with a segue that is uh, very important. All right. Miami had 14 penalties against Florida State. Who else had 14 penalties? NC State in their game against Wake Forest. And that was huge, Matt. 14 penalties for 119 yards. A nail-biter. Wake beat NC State 45-42. to It was an incredible game. I mean, so entertaining. It's one of those games where you're falling asleep watching it because you're so tired, but you can't go to bed because you got to see who wins. In the end, Wake made more plays, and they were able to run the ball more. And I was surprised. Devin Leary threw two picks. That, that was shocking. I thought Wake's defense played a lot better. And uh, Wake is very much in the driver's seat to win the Atlantic. Absolutely. I mean, th- this game was nuts. It-, it was so back and forth that you really didn't even get a read on who's going to win, what's going to happen. And-, and there was so many different things. There were so many different momentum swings. You know, Wake Forest scores 17 points in the second quarter. But going into half, NC State had scored 24 points, like almost straight. It, it was nuts to see this swing uh, of just NC State throwing up all these different things, the 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 swing at the two minute mark when got, they were just going back and forth, back and forth. Really impressive to see uh, that there was no, you know, just backing down. There was no moping by either quarterback. They would make a mistake and then they would just keep going. Um, and, and really, to start on the NC State side, I, I thought Devin played really well. He threw the ball almost sixty times. Um, had a couple of mistakes, but also had some really the run game. Re- yeah. That's what worried me about NC State. Right. They yeah. couldn't get it going. And that's exactly what happened. And, and it's it's honestly what it's turning into now is it's just who you are. And it's not a problem. It's just you can't run it for whatever reason. And it's nuts to see what the talent that they have with the running back position at the offensive line. I know there's injuries, and, and maybe that's a way bigger thing than all of us thought, but the run game just hasn't been there. Um, but when you look at this again, the the, the passes that we saw from Devin – connecting with Emeka Mezzi, just dropping dimes. And and Devin told us about the workouts and about the time that he has spent with Emeka. You saw that on full display because there was a couple of these passes that there's no way that you hit them unless you have that type of chemistry. 
Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. The Deeks came to play. The offense was was just tremendous. It, it, it's it's a thing of beauty to watch these guys play, and it's almost something to think about. It could have been better. There were so many drops. There were so many missed opportunities by Wake Forest, yet somehow they find a way to put up 45 points. I mean, they only had 290 yards passing. NC State had 408. It, so it's crazy to see that discrepancy and be like, oh my gosh, how, how did they win this football game? One other negative, and that's all I'm going to say about the the Deeks here on a negative note. A.T. Perry was targeted 22 times. Yes. And only had five catches. That was crazy. Now, a couple of them were miscues, but he had a ton of drops. And I don't know what was going on. I don't know if it uh-huh. was just you know that good of coverage or if he's overthinking stuff, trying to run, but still somehow led them in receiving, uh, but but had 22 targets. I mean, the fact that Sam just kept going back and back and back to him, you know, just proves how good of a player he is. But man, what a great game that came down to an onside kick that the young man was nine and three quarters away instead of 10. And, uh, so you know, the, the game was over, but man, a, a, an amazing game. Somebody had to lose and the Deeks stood up enough to get the big W. Perry, obviously, he still made some big plays at the end. And then Roberson, whatever was going on with him, whether it was injury or whatever, um, you didn't really have him. So I do think that the Deke offense, they scored 45 and they did not play their best game by any stretch. That's that's why I ended up taking Wake. <clears throat> not not trying to ruin him. <laughs> but because I know they're going to score. I know they're going to score 40. And I mean, they've scored 35 in every single game this year. And that's why looking ahead with this Clemson game, I've got all sorts of questions about Clemson because if State can't score enough to beat Wake, I don't think Clemson can. Now, I thought this this bounce back after losing North Carolina, just an incredibly mature response from Wake. They didn't panic. And I think it says so much about their program and Clawson and Hartman and all these guys. And they didn't have Christian Bill Smith either. He was injured. So it, it could have been even better for Wake. It's it's crazy. It really is to look at all of those factors and somehow getting a dub. And honestly, that's why I went with NC State. You know, I thought the defensive pressure that they were going to be, you know, faced with by the the Wolfpack, I thought that the the hangover effect that they would have from that North Carolina game and then not having their full team, how the heck could they possibly win? But they found a way. They got it done. Um and now walking into Death Valley next week at 9 and 1, Sam Hartman promise completed. Nine wins was the number that he told us about way back in August, July, whenever the heck media days was. And we all looked at him like he was crazy. And here they are, nine and one with a chance to clinch next week in Death Valley. Also, think about this. All right. I'm not, everyone's already, everyone's saying the ACC has been eliminated from playoff contingents. Perhaps, perhaps, but Oklahoma lost. They look terrible. Oregon's going to lose. I mean, they can't keep skating by these bad teams. <laughs> Ohio State's probably going to lose to someone. Cincinnati, who knows? I, I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility. I'm not guaranteeing it. I think Pitt is out because they have two losses if they win the league. But if Wake beats Clemson, beat BC, and then beat Pitt, and they're playing like they are, never say never. I think there's still a, a tiny little possibility. I completely agree with you. I think a one-loss ACC champion has a great chance, and and we know how chaotic football is. We know how chaotic this last stretch is really going to be, and especially ending with you know rivalry weekend. Crazy things happen. We we have seen just nuts games. Alabama is going to Auburn, a place that is always a house of horrors for them. 
Uh, of course, the championship game that they will still have to play if they make it against Georgia. So there, there's a lot that can possibly happen uh, in, in all conferences, and especially the Big Ten as well, just eating themselves and getting kind of out of contention there. Um, it's going to be fun. I can't wait to see this finish in a crazy season that we have all been all over the place with of what the heck's going to happen, what are we going to do. Uh, I think the playoff and final weekend to get to that is going to be no different. We should mention the Deeks have not clinched yet, but they can clinch if they beat Clemson on Saturday. All right, let's get to our speed round here, Mac. Let's run through some of these games. Speaking of Clemson, they beat Connecticut 44-7. to um, it, was, it was pretty rough overall. You played a lot of guys. Obviously, you knew you were going to win the game before it even started. But EJU looking a little gimpy on that knee, and then Tyson Pumachan getting hurt, and then you got Justin Ross was in a walking boot. The injuries continue to pile up. And if, if DJU is not 100% healthy, which doesn't look like he's going to be against Wake Forest, I, I feel like that's a recipe for uh, not success. I, would, I didn't want to say disaster, but I don't <laughs> think that's a recipe for success. Yeah, especially when quarterback one and quarterback two are, are not 100%. It's a little scary. It's, it's not good for your program. And you know, when, when you look at the game and, and you look specifically a terrible start, clearly, uh, the the young man returning the the kick return, muffs it, drops it, the ball sitting on the two-yard line. You're like, okay, Clemson's about to get unbelievable field position defensively. Uh, and he's like, no, I'm going to pick this up and somehow go 100 yards to the house. Um, so right from the get-go, uh, we're watching this game and everybody looks right at me like, oh, no, here it goes. What's going to happen? I was like, come on, guys, let's let's be real. Let's calm down. When they actually have to do something offensively, uh, it, it's not going to help. Anytime that you hold a team to um, sub 100 total yards uh, because UConn finished with 99, uh, that's incredible. What a, what a performance and what a defense uh, you know Clemson really has here. And, and when you look offensively, I mean, not an efficient day at any stretch of the imagination for DJ Uyunglele was very inaccurate. Guys still kind of dropping passes when he does hit them. Um, but yet some somehow found a way to go for 241 uh, through a very pretty touchdown. Had a pick that you know was, was really just a good play by the defensive back. Was, was able to get in there and really take that ball away from the wide receiver. But the, the concerning thing you know, from this game was really the the rush attack, the running attack from Clemson. And I know Will Shipley did not play. I know that Kobe Pace did not play. But still, when you're playing a team that that is not at your level, you expect your offensive line to be able to take over and to make holes. And they just weren't able to. And they can't. And and that's just who Clemson is this year. And so it's been a, a big struggle for them holistically at, at every aspect of the offensive football game. And, and it's been tough. Um, so still have to build on that. Maybe some guys were resting. Maybe some guys were sitting out from injury, didn't want to play them. And, you know, of course they, they will potentially be back next week against Wake Forest to keep your fight alive to play in Charlotte. Cause that's not out of the question. The Tigers can still find a way to be playing for an ACC championship. I thought it was good to continue to see Bo Collins emerge as a go-to guy. And then Dakari Collins to, to really step up and have a massive day was really impressed to see him. Um, but Tigers got to keep figuring it out. And, you know, it's just been a long, long season for these guys, slowly but surely trying to come together here. I think what concerns me the most is DJ use me. He's not <laughs> mobile already, but that really limits him. And then when you don't, if Tyson is out, you, you bring him in and they were trying to run some different packages for him against Louisville and things like that to get the QB run game going. If you don't have that option, 
uh, I think Wake Forest is going to be able to to prepare strictly for a not mobile quarterback. And that's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough for Clemson against Wake. It will be very interesting to see the, the running back situation. Okay, is Shipley going to be able to play? Is Kobe Pace going to be able to play? Because as we said time and time again, leading up to this NC State game, Wake Forest can't stop people running the football. So is this a game that we see those two guys really emerge and maybe have a career type day if your quarterback is limited? It's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see the attack because what does that also do? And we'll talk about this more on Friday. But if you can play keep away from the Deeks and not give them the ball, clearly they can't score 45. So it's going to be very interesting to see the game plan from the Tigers moving forward uh, when, when they welcome the 9-1 and Demon Deacons to uh, Death Valley next week. It's still going to be a great game. And look, Clemson could still find a way. I don't think it's a it's a done deal. It's not a foregone conclusion. I just wonder about the overall health for the Tigers. Mac, um, there's something about when Lamar Jackson is in the vicinity of a Syracuse team. They play terribly, whatever it is. And Lamar Jackson, his jersey was retired on Saturday. And Louisville just destroys Syracuse. What happened? I think that Lamar and uh, Malik hung out before the game. If you guys have seen Space Jam, I think Lamar put his powers into a football, and then Malik said, thank you very much, I'll take that, and uh, just went berserk. I mean, that was a fantastic game from Malik, and, and we've clearly seen that time and time again. He, he's such a explosive player, so fun to watch, and you know, really one of his better passing games this season. Now, it wasn't these – you know, crazy gaudy numbers and, and you know, effectiveness was at all-time high, though. You know, he's 13 of 18, 200 yards passing, and four touchdowns. It was great to see his arm getting back involved. He also scored another on the ground, so that's 16 for the entire season. Um, and really, the the Louisville defense came to play. I mean, these guys, we hadn't seen them play this, this inspired, this effective all year long. They had four sacks. They really limited the rush attack from Syracuse. Sean Tucker uh, at 19 for 95 yards, productive, yes, but Garrett Schrader, 20 for 43 yards, really just containing that quarterback run, not allowing him to get going at all. And you know, ultimately, that's what happens. When, when you take away an offense as a team, a team's best uh, you know, option, the best thing that they can do, you hurt them, and you hurt them bad. And, and I thought Syracuse would be able to get after you know, Louisville in, in the 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 pass game and really rush and, and sack Malik a couple of times. They only got to him once. And, uh, you know, it, it was something that they just could not figure out, couldn't get going, and an explosion from the card, something we have not seen this year. So the team of mystery in Louisville staying true to their name in week 11. They stay mysterious. And I'm concerned now for Syracuse when it comes to making a bowl. They have NC State and they have Pitt left. No guarantees there for Syracuse. And Louisville has Duke and so Kentucky. Sad. So Louisville should be going bowling. I mean, Syracuse, they've, they've got to they've got to find a way. We'll see if they can do it. All right, Mac, as we continue here running through some of these games, let's talk about Phil Dracovic, who um, we, may be, we may be chatting with soon. I don't know. I'll just leave that there. <laughs> Boston College goes to Atlanta. They win 41 to 30. And Phil Jerk had a really good day. He absolutely did. I mean, and this is almost what I expected from him in his first game back. Now, that's probably a little unfair. I put too much pressure on him. But to go for 300 yards, two touchdowns through the air, and then two on the ground, rushing for 8.9 yards every time he pulled in and, and tried to run the ball, 
it was great to see. I mean, he was making plays all over the field, had three rushing touchdowns. That's unbelievable to see from your quarterback. And really just smart, smart plays. The zone read, his effectiveness with his legs has really just added a whole new factor for this team and, and what they want to try to do. 190 yards rushing for BC, 300 passing. That's the balance that we were talking about. And we actually will talk about that more later and how excited that's going to be for BC in the future to have that because pre-injury, that wasn't the fact. It was throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. And now to pass it 20 times, throw it 30 or run it 38, you're going to be really excited about that output from your team and moving forward what they can do. No doubt about it. That was really good to see. And Boston College has a, a date with Florida State next week, but the balance. The balance is great to see from BC. Georgia Tech did put up 30 points. They just they didn't have enough in this game, Mac. They turned the ball over twice, and they couldn't get it going through the air. Jordan Yates struggled a little bit. No question about it. And, of course, you know, not having Sims is a big deal. I mean, that's their QB1. That's their guy. I will say, uh, time and time again, we have seen Jameer Gibbs just be freaky with the football and a guy that can do so many different things for you in the run game, in the receiving game. And he, he's been on fire all year long, a great athlete, uh, just a, a really outstanding player for Georgia Tech and the things that he can do for those guys. Two more games, two kind of sad games, Mac, but we'll discuss them briefly. Virginia Tech beats Duke 48-17. to I mean, look, here, take it to the bank, y'all say Duke. That's, it doesn't matter who they play because Virginia Tech has looked terrible. But they, I mean, they can run the ball and Duke could not stop them. It was, it was nuts to see, honestly. I mean, it was kind of... A li- not as shocking as as the Louisville explosion because I thought that would be a much tighter game. But for these guys to put 48 after a week, I just saw them struggle to put up three. Uh, there, there's no way I would ever think this. And Braxton threw the ball very well. Uh, three touchdowns, 215, and then running it for 300 yards. Um, you know, just something we haven't seen. Keyshawn King, Raheem Blackshear, uh, Braxton ran it really effectively. I mean, it, it, it's so puzzling because it's just like, okay, we've seen flashes from this team. We've seen them be very effective and do things very well. Why is it so hard to be consistent? Why can't we keep it going and do this every single game? And it just makes you frustrated. And I can't imagine being a fan, but lucky, lucky enough for them, that was the last game at Lane Stadium, and they got to see a great offensive production, a great offensive game. And then Duke, I mean, their guy is Mateo Durant, and, and he could not get it going. You know, was held in check to three yards a rush. Um, Gunnar Holberg did not play. So, of course, that was something that really affected Duke and, and what they want to do offensively. But tough year for the Dukies, tough year for Virginia Tech. Um, not fun to watch at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, VT is still in the running for a bowl, and they're five and five, and I feel like they're going to make one because they find a way to beat Virginia every year, even when, when Virginia is better. So I wouldn't count them out, and they play at Miami. Who knows with that game? Who That's knows a very what the heck could happen there? Yeah. Okay. Speaking of UVA, Brennan didn't play, and uh, Notre Dame just rolled. But I think what was so interesting about this game—they won twenty-eight to three—is sitting Brennan because it's not an ACC game. Who cares? And you want to get ready for Pittsburgh. So I'm sure that the broadcasters and, and ABC and ESPN didn't love it because you didn't have a good game. <laughs> but I like the decision Virginia made. I think it's smart. I think it's smart, too. And, and I'm hopeful that that means he, he's at least going to be healthy enough to play next week and not or this week, excuse me, and not that he's out, out like not that it's a bad injury because ribs are 
ribs are scary. I mean, that is a very sensitive thing. You feel it, everything you do, every movement that you make. And so it's going to be very interesting to follow. Is he going to be available for the Pittsburgh game? Because as we all know, this Virginia team is very different without him. Now, Jay stepped up and, and threw for almost 200 yards and, and did enough to you know maybe get those guys going. But a couple of turnovers, just not the same. I mean, a team that averages close to 500 yards of offense a game uh, that could barely scrape by a 250, it, it, it was a very different-looking Virginia without Brennan Armstrong. And, and on the other side, Notre Dame did exactly what I thought they would. They ran the ball at will, uh, ran it with a bunch of different guys. I thought Kyron would really explode and have a career day, but they had a ton of people in there and and running the football, doing what they needed to, 38 rushes, 250 yards, um, and really just an effective and efficient day by Jack Cohn, who we've seen kind of, again, go back and forth with consistency-wise what he's been able to do. And don't look now, guys, but Notre Dame – square in position for this playoff race, sitting at number nine right now. I'm sure they're going to move up in the next ranking that's going to come out Tuesday. I already spoke about it. This finish is going to be bonkers to get us to a college football playoff. This would have been a great year for Wake and Notre Dame to play. I really wish that it would have lined up that way because it would have given Wake Forest a a non-conference game that mattered besides North Carolina. And it would have been a great test. So, ah. course the scheduling gods didn't give us that but we're in for a very exciting finish in this league and like i've said y'all can say whatever you want this league is so freaking fun like i just i love watching these games you never know what's gonna happen you really don't and that's good football it's fun football and uh you know just close your eyes and and pick somebody and that'll probably be the winner don't use reason don't use facts because you're gonna lose um guys we have a really fun week this week we're gonna be dropping two guest episodes one tomorrow, then we'll take a little break on Wednesday when we normally release, and then we'll do another Thursday. And then, of course, our big preview Friday going through all the weekend's games, some really, really big-time games, two opportunities to clinch, one for Wake Forest, who travels to Death Valley, and then the other for Pittsburgh, who will be at home hosting Virginia. So it's going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a great weekend. Cannot wait to see where it goes. But guys, that's it. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.